So this message today, um, I'm excited to share this with you. Kind of have a had an epiphany this uh, last couple days on uh, on one of the main points. So over this past uh, six months or so, I've been sharing with you the kingdom of God. Right? What is it? When did it come? How to possess it? We look to the birth of Christ. We look to Easter. The kingdom of God did come in the past. It was prophesied and came in the person of Jesus and culminated in his death and resurrection and uh, victory over the grave and sin. And for those of us that uh, uh, choose to follow God in our lives, we sometimes are baptized. This was historic. This is historically a Baptist church where we can follow up our faith in baptism, where we identify with the work of Christ in our lives. We die with him to our sin nature, and we're resurrected to what? A new life, a transformed life. That's why you have a beautiful butterfly on the screen up here, right? No, I should point over here. (laughs) So that's why you have a beautiful butterfly up on the screen. So from this point of saving faith, to inheriting the kingdom of God, where God promises to resurrect us, speaking of the hope that we have, even in uh, death and dying, and our hearts certainly to our, our uh, uh, produced a son from this church, uh, Pastor Ken Fong, and our hearts and minds are with his um, family, and the hope that Sharon Fong is now resurrected fully in mind, body, and spirit. This is our hope. But it's interesting, isn't it? Even the, um, the, even the Apostle Paul says, uh, every day we are being renewed. Every day. But even though our bodies waste away, every day we are being renewed. Even he acknowledged that this body of ours is corrupt and sinful. Even though we inherit the kingdom of God, we will inherit that fully in the next life. So the Greek thought that I introduced you to last time, that this body, this existence that we're in, the eternal given birth inside our flesh and blood, blood corporal bodies that we all know is on an ark, right? It's not on this ark. <laughs> right? Well, maybe when you're young, you're on this ark, right? I think they say physiologic middle age is 24 or 25. You guys know what that means? Physiologic middle age. That is before the age of 24, 25, your body is like growing, <laughs> getting stronger. Your, your mind is uh, expanding, just like little children. But after 24, it's kind of an arc. <laughs> we we kind of hit, hit our peak, and uh, it gets harder to, uh, to heal. It gets harder to expand our mind and these neurosynapses. But this body is a conundrum, isn't it? But I throw that into the message today. 
<laughs> we don't use the word conundrum very often. What is, what is a conundrum? It's this, I don't know, weird, strange thing of our bodies. Once we come to Christ, we are being renewed every day, but our bodies are not. It is a strange, uh, I couldn't think, even think of the word for it besides a conundrum. A curiosity. The body is corruptible. Corruptible. It is strange that this sarcophagus, this housing of our spirit is housed in this body. Like I mentioned, even the Apostle Paul mentioned, uh, even though we are, our bodies waste away, we are being renewed every day, he says. It's understandable that the Greek philosophers despised this body as the mind and the thought was pure and essence. But the body is this disposable thing. The Apostle, the Apostle Paul addressed this in Scripture. He said, shall we sin more that grace would abound? Shall we do whatever we want to our bodies? He said, absolutely not. Our bodies inherit the internal. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to inherit this transformed body. And this is the epiphany that I had this week. Not only in the life to come will we have a resurrected body, but God wants us to have it now. And you're sitting there going, how? <laughs> how is this to be? And it is to be connected to the body of Christ, the church in relationship. This is the new body of Christ. It is a metaphor of a fit, healthy, vibrant body, like I said, physiologic middle age, 24. Youth, the fountain of youth, is the body of Christ that we must be connected to. So this is, like I titled today, the message titled is The Secrets of a Transformed Life. As opposed to that solo uh, butterfly that was on the screen a second ago, it's actually a metaphor of our lives, our physical lives, our spiritual lives. We're born once, right? We're born this... By the way, uh, my grandson-to-be should be uh, born any day now, any moment. We got word a couple yesterday that... My daughter-in-law is having some kind of contractions, but they haven't run to the hospital yet. But uh, there must be something. Uh, 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 God must move in this uh, away because when Eric was born, I was in this exact same place. <laughs> Joanne went to the hospital while I was sharing a message here. And I remember talking to Audrey or one of you guys and I was uh, just socializing afterwards, and they said, you need to get to the hospital <laughs> right now. Go. So this spiritual birth happens. Our physical birth happens just like a caterpillar, right? We're just kind of this blob. <laughs> we're, a, we're a baby. 
our spiritual birth happens, that we have this hope of metamorphosis, transformation into a butterfly, right? God imbues us with the spiritual life, his spiritual gifts, and we shed our sinful nature. But this is, I believe, the secret to a transformed life, even in body. Number one, we talked about last week, was to remain in God's love. God is the vine. We are the branches. We need to be tapped in to God's will. And God transforms us in this. This is the secret. It's no longer my will. What did Jesus say? Not my will, but yours be done. How do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And the second key, the second secret to this transformed life is not to be isolated, not to be that butterfly all on its own, thinking I'm going to inherit the kingdom of God, but we inherit a new body, a transformed body, by being connected to God's risen body. And what is God's risen body after he was resurrected? We talk about on Easter. He appeared and then he went up to heaven. He gave us his Holy Spirit and we are the body of Christ. How many of you remember this? You know, I, I struggled with so many words to share this. Um, you guys remember this little thing from Sunday school? Everybody do this. Everybody do this, okay? You guys remember this in Sunday school? Here's the church. Here's the steeple. You open it up and... Oh, where's all the people? We did it wrong. <laughs> Grab your hands like this. Grab your hands like this. <laughs> here's the church. Here's the steeple. You open it up and... Look at all the people. Look at all the people. This is the body of Christ. That was kind of an uh, interesting illustration. It actually goes well. If you do it wrong, if you get it wrong, where's all the people? <laughs> right? So this is the key. This is the resurrected life. The body of Christ is the Christian community. It is theocentric, not egocentric, like that solo butterfly. So here's this illustration I threw up last time, is we're a solo person as we come to faith in God. Now we are resurrected with Christ in the body of Christ here, where Christ is the head. This is our new body. It's so illustrative. When we're solo, it's my will. When we're part of the group, it's what? The group's will. This is so antithetical to the American mindset. Asian mindset is the community, right? You've heard of that uh, phrase in Japan, right? Uh, some of us have been to Japan before, right? The nail that sticks out, what? must be hammered down, <laughs> all right? The, the individual that stands out from the crowd, you know, <laughs> it's got to be, it's a group effort. Everybody pitches in. It's community. This is the key to 
our salvation and our transformation is being connected in community, not being isolated. This illustration that I uh, put up before as well is kind of illustrative. It comes down to idolatry, self over the group, God-centered versus me-centered, me on the throne of my life versus Christ on the throne of life. That's why I like the other picture a little bit better because even this kind of causes us American Christians to think egocentrically. I follow Christ. I accept Christ in my life. And Jesus, God, is going to transform me. No, 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 no. It's actually he transforms us. We start losing ourselves, our will, to God's will. All right? It's submitting to the group. It's submitting to a cause greater than ourselves. That is the new body of Christ. That is what we are part of. So the secrets to the transformed life is remaining God's love. That is the vine. He is the source. Not my will, but your will. Your will be done. We start giving up our will and to be connected in a community. This was available on Google Images. The first one is called Centralize uh, Social Network. Where the words... There's me in the center there, and people are connected to me. And I think this is what God wants us to do. Submit our will to God's will, the church's will, a cause greater than ourselves, than mine. And just like the story of the Good Samaritan, what does it take? It takes time. It takes sacrifice. It takes resources to do the will of God. B is decentralized interdependence on one another. D is, says closure, so it's kind of like a closed group. We don't want to be a closed club, do we? We want to be an open club. This is the beauty of talking about the body of Christ is because all our interrelationships change over time, don't they? We grow up from being kids, we grow up, we move out, we grow away, we move apart, we come together again. Everything changes. Everything changes. Pastor Ken's lifelong partner for, I don't know how long they've been together, probably, I'm, I'll be celebrating my 30-something anniversary, so they've got to have been been together for 40 years or more. Everything changes. And this is the beauty that the body of Christ is our new family. It's not only our extended family, it is our family, and it takes sacrifice. I was with uh, when Let's see, how old is Eric? 30 years ago. It was 30 years ago <laughs> uh, when Eric was born, my first child. And my life changed forever, <laughs> right? Your life changes when you have children. 
right? It was like a nuclear bomb was like dropped on my life. <laughs> Everything changed. Everything changed. And there's sacrifice that needs to, to happen. When you're in relationship, this is what it means. It's to give up our agenda for another's. What is the greatest love in the Bible? No greater love than a person have than to lay down one's life for another. That is what a transformed life is in community. Now, what keeps us from a transformed life? We discussed this a little bit last time, and I'll just highlight. It comes down to idolatry, selfishness, our agenda, me agenda over, and the love of the flesh over God and transformation. We prefer knowledge, feeling-based religions over holiness and the hard work of being in relationship. It's easy to be part of churches that are Bible churches because we reckon back in when the Apostle Paul talked to the uh, Gentiles in Rome, they said, what is this new gnosis? What is this new knowledge you have? They loved knowledge. Knowledge is controllable. Knowledge is predictable. It's not as hard as relationships. Charismatic churches uh, are fun. If you've been to contemporary Christian worship, it's basically like a, a concert these days when you go to uh, these charismatic churches. It's a nice dopamine hit. It feels good. It's fun. But holiness and character building in relationship is the secret to a transformed life. It's illustrated in our prodigal son story that we just kind of finished up. It is so powerful, isn't it? This metamorphosis of the prodigal son. His will, his happiness, his resources, all the things that money could buy. He went off to that far off land. And when he comes back, he's transformed. And the second son, it's all about him again, his agenda, what he thinks is fair, what he did or didn't get, and what the grace that God the Father gave the prodigal son. It's this transformation of the individual versus the celebration of the community is also illustrated there. It's not my will any longer, but it's God's will in the community's will, in community. So a couple other passages to illustrate our point here. But God put together, but God has put the body together, talking about the body of Christ, illustrated in the metaphor of the physical body, but God has put the body together so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. For if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So just like the prodigal son story, it's community. When one part suffers, we all suffer. And how do we do that? We have to be together. We have to be connected. We have to share and care and take time for one another. First Corinthians continues on. 
Now you are, now you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is our resurrected body. God, when we come to God, God's going to transform us in mind, body, and spirit. And the body part is not simply this depressing physical Greek <laughs> 18, 19, 24, arc <laughs> that we all experience. The body of Christ. Jesus was resurrected. And he is our new body of Christ. The secret to this transformed life, the secret that we don't just have to wait for, that we come to Christ, that God promises eternal life. I mean, I've heard that ever since I was a child in this church, right? Come to Jesus for eternal life, <laughs> right? Come to church, come to God, come to faith for eternal life. That is certainly a benefit, all right? That we shall not perish um, death, separation from God, and physical death. But God wants to transform us. And when we come to Christ, even though these corporal bodies waste away, God is renewing us every day. And as we get connected in the body of Christ, this is our new body until we see Jesus and God face to face. This is our new body. As we give up ourself, our ego, to the ego of God. God's agenda, God's will. God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So how do we do this? Make yourself accountable to a group of believers, the body of Christ. Look for support, accountability, and some sensible uh, discipleship program. Not just knowledge only. Knowledge is safe, okay? If you've been part of a uh, rigorous um, discipleship program or a Bible church. There are many, many theologians in seminary that do not have a transformed life, okay? They basically become Pharisees. Jesus talks about this. It's easy to stay in the gossip part of relationship and not be connected. It's easy to talk about other people's drama. It's easy to talk about other people's trials. But when we share and care, when we're known and, and becoming known with one another, this is where we are connected in the body of Christ. A couple other passages here to illustrate our point. Hebrews 10, famous uh, passage from the Apostle Paul. Now let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Like this picture I found on Google Images, when we don't meet together, when we don't share together, when we're not connected together, the body of Christ suffers. What is the body of Christ? The local church you're with, your 
your uh, social network that you're with. I, me, you, we all suffer because we're not meeting together. John 13 says a new commandment. God commands us to do this. It's not optional to love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And I don't know how Jesus can preach this point <clears throat> any better than I can. Verse 35, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And we can only do this in the body of Christ, connected with one another. We don't only want to be known that we're religious, a Christian, whatnot, just simply by our doctrine, our statements of faith, our denomination, our spiritual gifts, the sacraments we do. Wars were fought over these things in Christian history, haven't they? Wars were fought because people felt they had to be right. Right. Pharisees. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. John 15 goes on to say, Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. And what is my commandment down at the bottom? Is this, love each other as I have loved you. So that, I have told you this, so that my joy may be complete in you. And that your joy may be complete. Be connected. Love one another in the body of Christ. Isolation versus teamwork. We do more together. We're better together. The Apostle Paul talks about in the priority of relationship in 1 Corinthians 13. It's often called the love chapter. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels, okay, speaking, you know, godly languages, if I speak it of tongues, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have not love, I am nothing. If I have faith that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but have not love, I gain nothing. But here's a solo Christian worshiping God on a bench, not connected to Christian community, Apostle Paul, in verse 4, describes what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious. Love does not boast. is not proud. He sums up, love never fails. But where prophecies are, they will cease. Where tongues are, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, wow, think about that. Where there is knowledge it too will pass away. What does he say? What does he sum up? Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 
So wrapping up, don't bemoan that your church doesn't have it all. Every church, guess what? Doesn't have it all. <laughs> all right? It is sad, I would say, like I said, if a church fellowship doesn't have support, accountability, and discipleship. All right? To move on in your transformed life, you need to have, number one, uh, remain in God's love. The pitfall of human connection in the church is that, what is the church? Here's the church. Here's the steeple. You open it up. Look at all the people. You know who all, who all these people are? They're you and I. They're sinners saved by grace, okay? They're sinners saved by grace. So the pitfall of the, today's lesson, though it's vitally important, is that if you don't get number one right, uh, you start worshiping people, and you're going to be disappointed. So the keys to a transformed life, number one, remain in God's love. God is the vine. We are the branches. Number two, remain in the body of Christ in key relationships. Again, the pitfall, if you don't get number one right, number two gets out of whack. The church becomes to us, to you, a social club, <laughs> like any social club, with your typical politics. If any of you are uh, part of volunteer organizations, <laughs> there's jockeying, right? There's... Uh, Politics, there's positioning, there's power plays, all that crazy stuff. There's a verse in that song that I just uh, realized. She says, uh, I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. So this is how God reveals himself to us. It speaks of that transitioning, that changing Certainly our father figures were there for us, our mother figures, at one time in our lives. And it changes, right? I've known you as a father, and I've also known you through my friends. This is how we are transformed. We give up ourselves, and we join. We're joined in, in the body of Christ. God, we just thank you for this day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. From the waking of our days until we lay our head, God, we rejoice in your goodness. We thank you, God, how you have been good to us in our lives and have guided us through our days. God, we look forward to your resurrection power until that day we meet you face to face, we pray for those that um, are ill. We pray for the Fong family. We pray for others that are soon facing that trial in their life. God, until we uh, meet you face to face, until all things come to fruition, where we inherit fully your kingdom and resurrection power.
God, you leave us here to embody, to become the kingdom of God, to become your church, your kingdom, through each one of us as we each one does our part. So God, we thank you for today and the fellowship of believers and all God's people said, amen.